Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thematic Commander. My name is Jason. I love Magic the Gathering, and I also love building themed EDH decks. On this channel, I'm going to take some of your favorite stories, TV shows, lore, game mechanics, and turn them into playable EDH decks that still tell a story. Thanks, everybody, and on to the show. Each episode is going to break down in four parts. The first part being the theme. The theme could be our favorite stories, to a TV show, to game lore, to game mechanics. Some game mechanics we might take a look at are tribal, exalted, module, uh, anything that we'd really like to focus on and bring out as the highlight of the EDH deck. The second part is going to be about how each card in the deck relates to the theme that we chose, uh, really breaking down groups of cards and seeing how those themes play out throughout the EDH deck. Third part is going to be how the game, how the deck is going to perform in an actual game. Will this deck have enough draw? Will it have enough ramp? Will it be able to show as much as we'd like to of the theme in the deck in the gameplay? Fourth part will be mostly about finance and a little bit about how we can either make the deck cheaper or uh, easier just to make and play. So let's get on to the first section. A beginning is a very delicate time. Know then that it is the year 10,191. The known universe is ruled by the Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV, my father. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange. The spice extends life. The spice expands consciousness. The first theme that we've chose for this channel is probably one of my favorite stories ever written, uh, Dune. Dune is a science fiction novel written by Frank Herbert in 1965. Uh, Frank Herbert actually wrote four main books to go along with the original series. So we have Dune, Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, and God Emperor of Dune. That little section you heard in the beginning is actually a piece from one of the movies made of Dune. There's going to be another movie made in 2021 of Dune, and I'm super excited about it. So we're not going to go super into detail, but I am going to give you a brief explanation of the players that are going to be in the deck, uh, some of the main characters, and some of the themes. So Dune is a desert planet, so it has massive sandstorms, dangerous drum sands, quicksand, high temperatures, and everything that's basically associated with a desert world. Uh, if that wasn't bad enough, it's also home to the great sandworms, or known as Shai Halud by the local people. Uh, these great sandworms are massive. Uh, they eat. They can eat entire vehicles. They can take down entire buildings. They are really a force to be reckoned with on this world. Uh, it, Dune is also native, has a native population of uh, free people called the Fremen. Uh, now, the Fremen are a warrior race that are steeped in mystery and, and uh, superstition. They're thought to be only maybe a couple hundred thousand Fremen. You end up finding out there's actually millions of Fremen that live on this planet uh, in some of the most unhospitable places on the planet. 
Some of the main characters in the story are Paul Atreides, the son of Leto Atreides, who is the Duke of the Atreides family. Lady Jessica, who is the consort to Leto Atreides, uh, also mother to Paul Atreides. House Atreides also has some loyal members to the household in the form of Gurney Halleck, uh, the loyal troubadour warrior of House Atreides, Thufir Howard, the Mentat, which is a human computer, and also Master of Assassins to House Atreides, and Duncan Idaho, Swordmaster of House Atreides, and Dr. Huey, the House Physician of House Atreides. Uh, you come to find out that Dr. Huey is actually a secret Harkonnen agent that betrays House Atreides to House Harkonnen, who is the main villain of the story, also uh, some pretty bad dudes. Some of the important members of the Fremen we're going to take a look at are Stilgar, who is a Fremen naive, which is a chieftain, Chaney, who would end up being Paul's lover, or Liet Kynes, which is the planetologist, uh, who's also a high-ranking member of the Fremen people, who's trying to see the Fremen dream of the world becoming a garden planet come true as well. I love Dune so much because the fighting sequences, the storytelling, the myth, and the political intrigue within the world. It's just something that really rings true throughout all of science fiction novels that I've read before and after. It has such a deep history within the story, uh, from everything from there being a machine uprising in the form of the Butlerian Jihad that happens beforehand, making all technology that's sentient, becoming banned within the universe, and having the Mentats be developed, uh, just a really deep history that I love of this story. And if you get a chance, I would definitely suggest reading uh, at least Dune. And if you like Dune, uh, go to Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, and God Emperor of Dune. I've actually read pretty much every book that there is, from Frank Herbert's stories uh, to his son, Brian Herbert, and his co-author, the prequels and the sequels to the original Dune series, and uh, I think they're worth a read. So, with that, on to the next section. Dusel, it is time you become a sand rider and travel as a Fremen. Take the Kiswamaker hook of our siege and ride as a leader of men. In this section, we're going to be taking a look at the actual cards that represent our certain themes within the story. First, we're going to start with our commander, Hezaman Tamar. Four red, green, white, legendary creature human warrior. Uh, two, four. When Hezaman Tamar enters the battlefield, create X11 sand warrior creature tokens that are red, green, and white. At the beginning of your next upkeep, where X is the number of lands you control at that time. When Hezimar Tamar leaves the battlefield, exile all sand warriors. Now, Hezimar Tamar is going to be representing our Fremen people in mass. Hezimar Tamar could also be, represent Stilgar uh, in his essence, because he is a leader of all Fremen, uh, and being able to bring Fremen together and fight for one cause. Hezimar Tamar is going to be our to uh, token generator. We're going to be focusing the deck mostly around tokens going wide uh, and pumping up our 
Sand Warriors. Uh, so our desert cards uh, that represent the desert, we start with the actual desert cycle from Amonkhet, which be Desert of the True, Desert of Indomitable, Desert of Fervor, Shefet Dunes, Ramanap Ruins, Heshep Oasis. Then we have a cycle of colorless lands in the form of Sunscorched Desert, Scavenger Grounds, Survivor's Encampment, Hostile Desert, Grasping Dunes, Endless Sands, Dunes of the Dead, Cradle of the Accursed, Painted Bluffs. And then we have one last desert that's not from the Amonkhet cycle, which would be Desert. So starting with the Desert of cycle, these are Come Into Play Tap Lands. They're all deserts. They cycle for one and their respective color. And they also tap for their respective color. That would be green, red, and white. Shefet Dunes, Ramanap Ruins, and Heshep Oasis all have activated abilities. They are also deserts. They tap to add one colorless to your mana pool. They all have tap, pay one life, add one color of their respective colors to their pool. Shefet Dunes has the activated ability of two white, white, tap, sacrifice a desert. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Activate this ability only anytime you could activate a sorcery. Ramanap Ruins has two red, red, tap, sacrifice a desert. Ramanap Ruins deals two damage to each opponent. And Heshep, Heshep Oasis has one green, green, tap, sacrifice a desert. Target creature gets plus three, plus three until end turn. Activate this ability only as a sorcery. So these can be really useful, um, Chef at Dunes, especially as we have our go-wide strategy and Ramen Up Ruins if we want to have that reach for a little bit more damage. So all of these special activated ability deserts can also represent some of the important CHs, which are the homes to different tribes within the Fremen people. You have Torono Basin, you have Cave of Birds, you have Stilgar's... CH, which would be CH Tabor. Uh, these can all, these specialty lands can all represent those CHs. With the colorless deserts, they, some of them have activated abilities. We'll start with the rare deserts first. Scavenger Grounds. Tap, add one colorless to your mana pool. It's also a desert. Two, tap, sacrifice a desert. Just exile all cards from all graveyards. So this can be really useful against a lot of strategies that involve the graveyards. Also, when it comes to Dune, any type of sorcery or necromancy is really looked down upon by the native people, and uh, you'll be dealt with swiftly if it really comes to that. Hostile Desert. It's a desert. Taps for one colorless. Pay two mana. Exile land card from your graveyard. Hostile Desert becomes a... 3-4 elemental creature until end of turn. It's still a land. So this can just be the desert itself coming up to take you away. Uh, being a 3-4, it can really give you a nice blocker in any times when they think maybe they don't notice your hostile desert is out. The last rare land is Endless Sands. Uh, this art, I think, is very indicative of Dune. It just shows basically... A dune top with a person there and a sun, a massive sun covering the entire landscape. It's a desert. Taps to add one colorless. It has two activated abilities. First activated ability is two tap exile target creature you control. 
second activated ability is four tap, sacrifice endless sands, return each creature card exiled with endless sands to the battlefield under its owner's control. So this can be for any of your key creatures. If you know a wrath is coming up or you're going to play a wrath, you can start exiling some of your creatures. And then when the wrath happens, you can sacrifice the desert and bring back all of your Fremen from outside or that were hidden away. Some of the non-rare deserts, we have Scorching Desert, uh, Land Desert. When Scorching Desert when Scorching Desert enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to target player. Tap, add one colorless to your mana pool. Grasping Dunes, tap, add one colorless to your mana pool. Has an activated ability. One, tap, sacrifice, Grasping Dunes. Put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. Activate this ability only time you can activate a sorcery. Dunes of the Dead, tap, add one colorless to your mana pool. When Dunes of the Dead is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create a 2-2 zombie creature token. Cradle of the Accursed, tap, Add one color to your mana pool. Three tap, sacrifice Cradle of the Accursed. Create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. Activate this ability only as a sorcery. The last three deserts are in uh, Survivor Encampment. Tap to add one color to your mana pool. Tap a untapped creature you control. Add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Uh, a rainbow land that can really help us because we have so many tokens that it won't be too hard to tap one. Also, Survivor Encampment, a very good representation of the non-desert Fremen that are living within the world. Painted Bluffs, tap, add one color to your mana pool. One tap, add one color of any color to your mana pool. Uh, there's very beautiful landscapes on Dune that is noted by both uh, Leto Atreides, Paul Atreides... Uh, most of the characters just being able to look out over these landscapes and see these beautiful rock formations and sand dunes. The one last one, uh, which is desert. I mean, you can't have a dune world without desert. A des desert is land desert. Tap to add one colorless to your mana pool. It also has one last activated ability of tap, deal one damage to target attacking creature, activate this ability only during the end of combat. Garden or Temple Garden represents the green places that Fremen have already started to cultivate. There's some secret places that the Fremen have cultivated way out in the northern and southern parts of the world that have small ice caps, so there's access to a little bit of water. Uh, and when you come upon these areas, they're actually these it's a slight tint of green that you see out on the horizon that the Fremen try to keep secret as possible now there are rock outcroppings on this world so sandstone uh, needle will represent some of those rock outcroppings uh, which kind of protect you from the protect you from the sandworms because they can't penetrate certain parts of the rock uh, sandstep citadel and comes into play tapped with two depletion counters on it remove a depletion counter add two red mana to your mana pool and when there's no more depletion counters you have to sacrifice it sacred foundry uh, can represent type of the CH where they do manufacturing. CHs are places of safety for the Fremen uh, when they need to escape the, the dunes. It's also their homes. Uh, they do a lot of their fabricating of still suits, which is the suits that allow them to live uh, on dune without wasting too much of their body's water. It also allows them to manufacture 
weapons and everything like that. Command Tower is also a representation of these CHs, along with Clifftop. Some of the cards that represent the desert that aren't lands would be a Braid, uh, a uncommon from Amonkhet, one in a red, choose one. Um, uh, a Braid deals three damage to target creature or destroys target artifact. Uh, this represents... Most of these cards are going to represent uh, the sand and the desert destroying any man-made structure. It's brought up in the book many times that most most man-made things cannot survive the desert for too long. Desert Twister, the, Corio- the Coriolis storms that uh, run rampant through the world and are something to be feared. Swirling Sandstorm, again, uh, this is a three and a red threshold swirling sandstorm deals five damage to each creature without flying uh just representing again a sandstorm coming through and decimating as some of the cards that we have in in the desert theme will be having to do with the fremen and their interactions with the desert so beneath the sands is two in a Green, search your library for a basic land card, put it into play tapped, and then shuffle your library. It also has cycling. Uh, Brave the Sands, one in a white enchantment. Creatures you control have vigilance. Each creature you control can block an additional creature each combat. Now, these are the Fremen able to withstand the desert, and if anybody comes to fight them on their own grounds, they actually have the advantage. So the vigilance and being able to block two creatures... Uh, each Fremen would basically equal, if not one extra creature, then multiple. Desert Hold, this is two and a white enchantment aura, enchanted creature. When Desert Hold enters the battlefield, if you control a desert or there is a desert card in your graveyard, you gain three life. Enchanted creature cannot attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. This is the sands of the desert dragging down. Uh, whatever creature or human decides to come through. We also have Explore. Uh, Explore is one in a green. You may play an additional land this turn, draw a card. This represents just not just the Fremen searching out uh, new lands, and anybody that comes to the planet is probably also exploring for the riches that Dune has to offer in uh, Spice. And then one of our last one for the desert will be... Uh, search search for tomorrow, two and a green, search your library for a basic land card, put it into the battlefield, then shuffle your library, suspend two and a green. Search for tomorrow, I really like it because it represents all Fremen's goals to look into the future uh, for that luscious land, for how they want to cultivate the land and make a livable world for them and their people. I really think search for tomorrow is a is a good card for that. Uh Rampant Growth. Really, I would like Rampant Growth to represent the growth of the desert overtaking parts of the land. Windswept Heath. uh, Also another representation of the desert sands taking over a luscious green area that the Fremen might have tried to cultivate. Uh, Stomping Grounds. Another land that can represent uh, areas that the Fremen marked off for themselves. And now for some of the cards that represent what the Fremen believe in, some of their uh, some of their armor, their blades, everything like that. So we'll we're going to start with 
some of the equipment that the Fremen have uh, that help them survive in this harsh desert place. Slagworm armor, Magebane armor, are both going to represent the still suit that they use. Now, still suits are these suits that are specially designed to retain water from the body, uh, your sweat, uh, any other types of bodily fluids that would come out of you are supposed to be retained by the still suit and reabsorbed and filtered for you to be able to retake that water back in. It is known that if you have a Fremen still suit that you'll lose less than a thimble full of water a day out on the Great Bled. Slagworm armor is an equipment. Uh, it costs one. It gives equipped creature plus zero, plus six, and equips for three. And Magebane Armor, Equip Creature, it's three mana, Equip Creature gets plus two, plus four, and loses flying, prevent all non-combat damage that would be dealt to Equip Creature, and it equips for two. Now, as for the Fremen weapons, all Fremen that have passed their trials will carry what is called a Chris Knife, which are ground down from a sandworm's tooth, and glow with a light of their own, if drawn They must also draw blood before being put back, uh, and they cannot spend too long a time away from a human body's electrical field before they start to degrade. Some of the cards that we use to represent the Chris Knife would be Sanctuary Blade, two, two mana, artifact equipment. As Sanctuary Blade becomes attached to a creature, choose a color. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus O, and has protection from the last chosen color, equipped three. Uh, this represents, this is a blade that's already glowing with its own light in the picture, so I think it really represents the Chris Knife very well. Forebearer's Blade, sometimes a blade can be passed down from person to person if it's won through a battle or uh, anything like that. So this is three mana, artifact equipment, equipped creature gets plus three, plus O, and has vigilance and trample. When equipped creature dies, attach Forebearer's Blade to a target creature you control. It also helps with our theme. And then Bloodthirsty Blade uh, is two, two mana, artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus O, and has goad. Uh, pay one, attach Bloodthirsty Blade to target creature and opponent controls. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. So I just think Bloodthirsty Blade, what a great name for a card that actually has to draw blood when it's equipped to a creature. One last card that represents a Chris Knife, which also helps with our theme, uh, is Blade of Selves. Two mana, artifact equipment, equipped creature has Myriad. Whenever it attacks, for, for each opponent other than defending player, you may create a token that's a copy of that creature that's tapped and attacking that player or planeswalker they control exile the token at the end of combat it equips for four so wherever there's one fremen there's most likely going to be more uh hiding in the shadows so when one attacks then the next the others will join in on the fight one last equipment uh that every fremen's going to have to have are grappler grappling hooks uh which are maker blades or maker hooks inside the universe uh maker hooks are used to basically ride the great sandworms the Great Sandworms are actually something that the Fremen utilize to get around the world without other people being able to know. It's actually one of their biggest secrets that they use. Uh, this is four, four mana, artifact equipment. Equipped creature has double strike. Whenever 
equipped creature attacks, you may have target creature block it this turn. If able, it equips for four. Uh, that's a really good representation of the maker hooks. Anointed procession. When a Fremen dies, other Fremen will actively take the body, wrap it up, and collect the water from the body because the water belongs to the tribe. Uh, anointed procession, I think, is a good way to represent represent this. It allows... What it does is it's three and a white enchantment. If an effect would create one or more tokens under your control, it creates twice that many of those tokens instead. Uh, it just represents the tradition of Fremen taking the water for the tribe. Assemble the Legion, three red-white enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a muster counter on Assemble the Legion, then put a plus one, plus one, or a one, one, red and white soldier creature token with haste onto the battlefield for each muster counter on Assemble the Legion. This can represent uh, Paul assembling all of the Fremen underneath one banner to defeat the Harkonnens, or it could represent um, the House Atreides starting to assemble their forces before the big attack that was placed on them. Uh, assemble the Legion also just really helps with the theme of the deck. Aura Shards. This represents more of the Jihad and the prohibition against thinking machines and anything unnatural, uh, even if it's conceived as a thinking machine. Uh, Aura Shards is one green-white. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may destroy target artifact or enchantment. Uh, this is just the general population's feelings towards thinking machines. You want to destroy them. You don't want them to be a part of you uh, and a part of your culture. Oracle's Attendance. Uh, I really liked seeing this card uh, in the deck and it being a representation of the Fedaikin, Paul's Death Commandos. Uh, what it does is it's three and a white creature, human, soldier. Tap all damage that would be dealt to target creature this turn by a source of your choice is dealt to Oracle's Attendance instead. It's a 1-5. Uh, I really saw this online and thought it was really one that represents the Fedaikin very well. Mentor of the Meek. Mentor of the Meek is two and a white. Creature, human, soldier. Whenever another creature enter, whenever another creature with power two or less enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one. If you do, draw a card. It's a 2-2. Two -two. Uh, this could also be another representation of a Fremen Naib, or it could be a representation of how Jessica mentored all of the Fremen soldiers to learn the way of the Bene Gesserit fighting style. Uh, I thought that was a good representation. Also helps the deck a lot. Sandstep Outcast is two and a white. Whenever Sandstep Outcast enters the battlefield, choose one. Put a plus one, plus one counter on Sandstep Outcast or put a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature token with flying onto the battlefield. It's a 2-1. Uh, the Fremen are very steeped in superstition and myth. Uh, when a Fremen dies and after their water is taken for the tribe, they actually will release them onto the funeral plane and their spirits will be there to help strengthen the tribe if if in a battle. Kindred Armor, one white enchantment, enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't be blocked by creatures with power three or greater. Sacrifice Kithkin. Kithkin Armor, prevent all damage creatures from one source. Uh, this is also... Another representation of both 
still suits, but also it has a representation of spirits that are protecting the whole tribe. Path to Exile, there's many things that can lead to uh, being exiled from the tribe, which is usually death. Uh, but if a Fremen is blinded, they are not allowed to stay in the tribe anymore and actually have to go into exile, which means being let go into the sands to be eaten by Shai Halud and brought back into the system. Last few ramp pieces that represent the the Fremen pretty well is Cultivate. They're cultivating a world in which uh, plants can grow. Far seek. They search far and wide for the water that they need. And Nature's Lore, they constantly are teaching their children how to keep the world going and to cultivate the future for the next generation. Now for the place that represents the CH, the safe places for the Fremen. We have Crawl Space, uh, most, which is three mana artifact. No more than two creatures can attack you uh, each combat. Really represents a safe place for the Fremen. Uh, most of their hideouts and their CHs are within rocks which are hard to access and almost impossible to see from the outside. Uh, crawl space is a really good way to represent that. Core Haven. Core Haven is a land, legendary land. Tap to add one colorless mana to your mana pool, one in a white, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt by target attacking creature this turn. Great representation of a haven for these people. Norin's Annex is three Phyrexian white, Phyrexian white artifact. Creatures can't attack you or a planeswalker you control unless... Their controller pays one Phyrexian White for each of those attacking creatures. It's going to be very painful for you to try and get into a Fremen CH, and I think that really represents it. And then some of the sentries that watch over uh, when everybody is safe at the CH would be Windborn Muse, three and a white, creature spirit flying, creatures attacking you. Can't Creatures cannot attack you unless their controller pays two white for each attacking creature he or she controls that attacked you. Now for a super important part of the Dune universe, uh, which is the sandworms. You gotta have sandworms if you're going to have a Dune-themed deck, and we have quite a few in the deck. We're gonna start with Symbiotic Worm, five green, green, green creature worm. When Symbiotic Worm is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, put seven one one green insect creature tokens onto the battlefield. Uh, it's a 7-7. Seven, seven. I really think this represents the sandworms really well for the simple fact that when a sandworm dies, they'll create the sand trout, which are the baby forms of the sandworms, which will eventually form together to make a big... which will actually form together to make a sandworm at some point in their life cycle. And I think this really represents a good cycle within the Dune series. We also have Sandworm Convergence. Uh, six green-green enchantment enchanted or creatures with flying can't attack you or planeswalkers you control. At the beginning of your end step, create a 5-5 five, five green worm creature token. Sandworm Convergence, Sandworms right in the name. Uh, it also is a great way to depict if you use a shield out on the open sands, uh, Sandworms will come from all around no matter what their territories are, and they will converge and kill whoever has that shield or whatever has that shield on. Nova Blast Worm, three green, green, white, white, seven, seven, 
creature worm. When Nova Blast Worm attacks, destroy all other creatures. Shy Halud, the worm, the great sandworm, will cleanse the entire desert and make it brand new again every time. And this worm really represents that, destroying all other creatures, cleansing the way, and making it brand new again. Greater Sandworm, five green green. Greater Sandworm uh, can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. It has cycling. It's a seven seven. Represents the old man of the desert. Uh, that's referred to in the book quite a few times. Uh, just an old sandworm, huge in its in its immensity, uh, and just being able to be another big beater. Enlisted sandworm. So like I said when we were talking about the Fremen, the Fremen actually ride the sandworms. It's four green-white, five-five, and it has cascade. Cascade allows you to, when you cast this spell, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a card with converted mana cost less than enlisted sandworm and then cast that spell and then enlisted sandworm resolves so this allows you to get uh, pieces of your deck out a little faster armored worm two green green white white five five trample worm when armored or armada worm when armada worm enters the battlefield create a five five green worm creature token with trample or then elder scale worm Four green, 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 worm, trample. When Elder Skill Worm enters the battlefield, if your life total is less than seven, your life total becomes seven. As long as you have seven or more life damage, that would be re- that would reduce your life total to less than seven. It reduces it to seven instead. Once you're uh, on top of a worm, you're basically immortal. Um, now for some of the biggest worms, the most, the oldest worms, and the best way to represent them, uh, Autochanthium Worm, which is 10 green, 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 white, white, convoke. Each creature you tap, convoke says, each creature you tap while playing this spell reduces its cost by one or by one of the mana color uh, of the creature. It's a trampler, 914. Uh, this one and Impervious Great Worm, 7 green, 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 also convokes 1616 Indestructible. I think both of these represent the Fremen calling the worms to come and uh, be able to ride them. And they're also just some of the most massive worms there are. The last card within the worm category would be Scale Up. It's 1 green. Until end of turn, target creature you control becomes a 6-6 worm with base power and toughness 6-4 and has overload, which overload allows you to target any creature that can be targeted uh, on your side of the field by it. Great card to be represented or in the token deck. If you're going wide, it's just like an overrun, but it's also a great way to represent all of your Fremen riding sandworms into battle. And what would a dune theme deck be without the spice smothering tides three and a white enchantment whenever another opponent draws a card that player may pay two if that player doesn't you create a colorless treasure token with sap, tap sack add one mana to your mana pool uh, i only put one card that represents the spice within the deck because spice is so rare so hard to come by and once you have it it really takes over the board uh, and Smothering Ties is in that way. It helps take over the board. If your opponents aren't paying to thwart your efforts to get spice, you're going to get spice with Smothering Tides. 
two more categories to go over before we get to the main characters of the story. Uh, Thopters, one of the major mechanical ways for people to get around the world and also to collect spice. They use Thopters in carryalls, so we're going to go over some of those. So Aethersphere Harvester can represent a spice harvester or it could represent um, some of the Thopters that watch out for Worm Sign when you're going out to try and harvest the spice. It's three colorless artifact vehicle flying when aether harvester enters the battlefield you get two energy uh pay one energy aether sphere harvester gains lifelink until in turn it's crew one it's a three five just a great little creature to get in there give you a little bit of life cultivator's caravan i really think represents uh, a spice harvester it kind of looks a little like it with a giant spout that would shoot out sand and a uh, front half that might be able to take up some of the spice in rich sand. Cultivator's Caravan is three colorless. Artifact vehicle. Tap one mana of any color to your mana pool. Crew three. It's a 5-5. Five, five. Uh, Hangerback Walker could also be another type of carry-all. It's XX. Uh, when it enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. When it dies, it creates one one thopters. And you can pay one to put a plus one plus one counter on it. Sky Sovereign Council Flagship. I think best is represented by either a carry-all or it could be a guild highliner, which is which allows people to go through space. It's five, legendary artifact vehicle flying. When it enters the battlefield uh, or attacks, it deals three damage to target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls. It crews for three. It's a six-five. Smuggler's copter represents most of the smuggling, smuggling operations that happens on the planet. It's a two-mana artifact vehicle flying when Smuggler Copters attacks or blocks. You may draw a card. If you do, discard a card. Crew 1, 3-3 three, three flying. And then the last Thopter would be Thopter Assembly. You need to be able to fabricate Thopters. It's six-mana, 5-5 five, five artifact creature Thopter flying at the beginning of your upkeep. If you control no Thopters other than Thopter Assembly... Uh, return Thopter Assembly to your hand and create 511 Thopter flying tokens. We have the prophecy section. So there's an ongoing prophecy throughout the entire story about the Kwisak Sadarak, uh, or Muad'Dib and Mahdi, which would be represented by Paul in the story. Uh, but some of the mythology that I think is really well represented in Approach of the Second Sun, uh, it's six mana, white, Sorcery, if Approach of the Second Sun was cast from your hand, you may cast another... And and you cast another spell named Approach of the Second Sun. This game, you win the game. Otherwise, put Approach of the Second Sun in your library. Seventh card from the top, you gain seven life. Uh, Blasphemous Act, there's quite a few things um, in the story that are considered heinous acts. Um... And I think Blasphemous Act is a good representation of some of those things. It's eight mana and a red sorcery. It costs one less for each creature on the battlefield. Blasphemous Act deals 13 damage to each creature. Day of Judgment could be that final day when Paul Atreides finally takes down um, the oppressors is in what the Fremen think. Uh, day of Judgment is two white-white. Sorcery destroy all creatures. And Hour of Promise is that final day when the Fremen finally are able to make the world theirs and cultivate it into a green, luscious planet. 
uh, four and a green sorcery searcher library for up to two land cards put them into the battlefield tapped then shuffle your library then if you control three or more deserts create a two two black zombie token so now on to the main characters let's start with most of the main characters are going to be represented by planeswalkers. We'll start with the Atreides family. Paul Atreides, I think, is really well represented by Teo, the shield mage. Uh, he comes from a desert planet in the magic storyline. Paul is also a uh, child of six, 15 or 16 in the story. And Teo is maybe a little bit older than that, but not much. Uh, Teo is a two and a white legendary planeswalker. Uh, you have Hexproof, so it really shields the Fremen people. Uh, create a zero one one white wall creature token with Defender. It comes in with five loyalty, and it's two to activate that ability. Uh, Paul also, in the story, has a ring, which would be Soul Ring represented here. This is the ring that shows that he's a Duke of the Royal Blood. Uh, we all know what Soul Ring does. Next up, we have Lady Jessica, represented by Elspeth Knight Aaron. Lady Jessica is Paul's mother, also belongs to a faction within the universe called the Bene Gesserit, who have their own plans for Paul, and they have their own plans for the universe. Elspeth Knight Errant is two white-white, has a plus one, put a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token into play, has another plus one, target creature gets plus three, plus three, and gains flying until end turn, and then has a minus eight for the rest of the game. Artifacts, creatures, enchantments, and lands you control are indestructible. It starts with four loyalty. So when it comes to Elspeth Knight Errant, the plus one shows the Fremen coming to Jessica's aid because she becomes a reverent mother later on in the story, which is a high class within the Bene Gesserit. The plus one where the creature gets plus three, plus three in flying is the training that Lady Jessica gives to the Fremen, being able to make them stronger, faster, and harder to kill. And then minus eight can really just be uh, a great theme for the deck. Some of the loyal guards of House Atreides would be Duncan Idaho, like we said, the Swordmaster, being represented by uh, Gideon, ally of Zendikar, two in a white-white. Until end of turn, it becomes a 5-5 five, five human soldier ally with Indestructible that is a Planeswalker prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. It has a zero, create a 2-2 Knight Ally creature token onto the battlefield. and has a minus four. Uh, you gain an Anilum creatures you control, get plus one, plus one. Uh, starts with four loyalty. Gurney Halleck uh, is represented by Xenagos the Reveler. So Gurney Halleck is, in the story, uh, described as a lump of a man, a ink vine whip scar across his face from the Harkonnens, uh, is hunched and very, but is also a very deadly creature. Uh, I think Xenagos, just kind of the way he looks in the art, could be that kind of figure for Gurney Halleck. Gurney's not evil in any sorts in the uh, in this book series, so unlike Xenagos. So two red-green, pay X mana into your, er, plus one. Add X mana into your of any combination of green and white to your mana pool where X is the number of creature tokens you control. Zero. Put a 2-2 red-green satyr creature token onto the battlefield with haste. And then minus six, exile the top seven cards of your library. 
you may put any number of creatures and land cards from among them onto the battlefield and starts with three loyalty. Thufur Howard, like we said, he's a mentat, uh, a mental computer. Karin Cyanaversa, four mana, legendary creature. Uh, reveal the top two cards of your library. An opponent chooses one of them. Put put that card into your hand and exile the other cards with a silver counter on it. Minus, put a card with a silver counter from outside the game into your hand. And then create a 0-0 zero, zero colorless construct artifact creature token with power and toughness equal to the number of artifacts in play. Thufir Howard, uh, mental computer, Karin, a uh, golem animated robot. <laughs> now onto the Fremen. Uh, Leia Kynes, being represented by Renin 6, red and green. Uh, Ren, legendary planeswalker, plus one, return up to one target land card from your graveyard to your hand, minus... One deals one damage to target creature. Minus seven, you gain an emblem. Instances and sorceries in your graveyard have retrace. Uh, Liet Kynes, always trying to build up the land, bringing land back from being a desert to a green place. Uh, Ren and six starts with three loyalty. Uh, The first plus really represents Liet Kynes bringing the world back to life, if it can. Chaney, his daughter, uh, being represented by Nyssa... Vastwood Seer, two and a green. Uh, a 2 2 human, er, 2 2 elf scout. When Nissa Vastwood Seer enters the battlefield, you search your library for a basic forest, reveal it, put it into your hand. When there are seven more lands, you flip it, it becomes a planeswalker. Uh, really, I think a youthful version of Nissa can represent the elven faced Cheney, as she's described in the story. And then we have Stilgar. If not being represented by our commander, Stilgar could also be a Johnny uh, adversary of tyrants, two and a white, two white, white, legendary planeswalker, uh, a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures, return a creature card from your graveyard with converted mana cost two or less to the battlefield, or you gain an emblem at the beginning of your end step, create three one one cat creature tokens with lifelink. Uh, starts with four, lo- four loyalty. Uh, also good for the deck. Uh, Stilgar is a naive among naives. Uh, he also is an adversary of the Harkonnens, which are very much a tyrant people. One of the later characters in the book is Paul's sister, who was born a little bit after they escaped from the Harkonnens. Uh, Leah of the Knife, as she becomes known later on in the book series and later on in the book. Uh, Aaliyah is described as a young girl who, at birth, is able to see and understand. And that is because while she was in the womb, uh, Lady Jessica went through the transformation that made her into a reverent mother. This also affected uh, Aaliyah basically giving her awareness before she was born. Uh, they're known as the preborn. It's also an abomination within the Bene Gesserit. But for the most part through this book, she just ends up being a skilled fighter, even at the tender age of five or six. We're going to show her as Nahiri the Harbinger, two white-red 
plus two. You may discard a card if you do draw a card. Minus two, exile, target enchantment, tap target artifact, or tap creature. Minus H, search your library for a artifact or creature card. Put it into the battlefield, then shelf your library. It gains haste. Return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. It has a pl- or four loyalty to start. I think all of her abilities are actually very Fremen-like. Uh, Aaliyah is very steeped in the Fremen tradition, basically knowing all of it before she was even born um, due to the ritual that her mother went through. So the plus two really represents the Fremen idea of cutting what is not needed away and just keeping what is needed. The minus two, exiling target enchantment, target artifact, tapped artifact, or target creature is just the ruthlessness of the Fremen people when it comes to anything that they seem as unnatural or non-Fremen. And then the minus eight, summoning your giant sandworms, works really well in the deck, works really well in flavor. I think this is a home run. And then our last character being Duke Leto Atreides, uh, represented by Luca from the newest set. Uh, Now, I know Luca's a bad guy in the story, but I really think the stance and the picture that they did for the art betrays Luke. Duke Leto's features very well in that very um, royal-esque face. Uh, Three in a red, Planeswalker. Top three cards of your library create, or creature cards, exile this way, gain. You may cast this card from exile as long as you control Luka. Minus two, exile, target creature. You reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card with a higher converted mana cost, and put it onto the battlefield, and put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. And minus seven, or each creature you control deals damage equal to its power to target opponent, and it's a five mana, five starting loyalty. Uh, the minus seven can really represent Duke Leto inspiring his men to fight to higher height. That's all of the cards for the deck, and now on to or the third section. Hold at your neck, a gomja bark. This one kills only animals. Are you suggesting a duke's son is an animal? Let us say, I suggest you may be human. Your awareness may be powerful enough to control your instincts. Your instinct will be to remove your hand from the box. If you do so, you die. an itching there now the itching becomes burning heat upon heat upon heat silence silence I must not fear fear is the mind killer fear is a little death that brings total obliteration my fear. I'm permitted to pass over me and through me. I must not feel flesh. So in this section, we're going to be looking at how the deck plays and if it's actively a playable EDH deck. We start off with 37 lands. Uh, all of our lands produce mana, except for some of the fetch lands, but that's okay. That helps us out. I think 37 is a good amount of lands to have, uh, even 
if the deck has quite a bit of ramp. Our average CMC is about four, a little high. We do want to try, or you do want to try and stay around three as your average CMC, uh, but we do have some really high-end converted mana cost creatures in our greater, or in our worm category. We're about one-third on all of our lands, or on all of our colors, having 17 red cards, 15 white cards, 15 green cards, so uh, we're actually pretty even on all of our mana costs. We have nine ramp cards that are CMC three or less. Something you want to stay around if you want to stay pretty playable. You want to have an early ramp spell to get you further ahead in the game. We have about four spot removal cards in the form of a braid, path to exile, or aura shards, and desert hold. Uh, you want to stay around five, and you can like mix them around for when you have certain cards in your metagame. We have three draw actual draw effect cards in Mentor of the Meek, Smuggler's Copter, and uh, Karan Sign of Urza. Uh, but I do believe each one of our Planeswalkers actually creates a little bit more card advantage. We have three Wrath Effects in, Damn, er, in Blasphemous Act, Nova Blast Worm, and Day of Judgment. Uh, you can I like to keep my Wrath Effects around five, but sometimes it's a little hard to try and fit them all in. But those, I think, are three good ones if we need to keep it in. Uh, Desert Twister is also another all-purpose removal spell. Uh, single target removal spell. Just being at six is a little high. The major theme of this deck is tokens when it comes to uh, the actual gameplay. Having our general create tokens. We also have most of our Planeswalkers affect large numbers of creatures to go wide in Elspeth. Gideon also creates like or also creates a emblem counter that pumps all of our creatures. We have the vehicles that are easily equipped by the tokens that we'll create with our general and and the two worms that we have that are convoked out very easy when you have a army of creatures. Most of our ramp spells are geared towards finding lands. That's why we're not playing the signets and uh, the signets and any real uh, and not a whole lot of artifact ramp uh, because we do want to have as many lands as we want out for our general and it helps fit the theme in that way hour of promise great card it creates tokens it fits with our uh, a second theme of the deck which is lands allows us to grab whatever lands we want all of our do all of our deserts uh, have abilities that interact with other deserts or take Ramanop ruins uh, two red red, sacrifice a desert. Ramen Up Ruins deals two damage to target opponent. Or to each opponent. Deals two damage to each opponent. Uh, the green one has a pump effect when you sacrifice an artifact. Or when you sacrifice a desert. And the white one has a anthem effect for all of your creatures when you sacrifice. Ren and Six helps us bring back those deserts that we sacrificed. And cards like Hangerback Walker, Thopter Assembly. Assemble the Legion are a lot of our token. And now on to our fourth and final section. Mm. I would have a rat as fat for myself. He who controls the spice controls the universe. Well, uh, the fourth section being price, the the most expensive the most expensive card in the deck is our commander being $129. Uh, if you're going to build this deck, you can. There's other replacements for this card. If you don't want to spend that much money on the card, you could play Rift the Awakener, and that 
really keeps you in the token theme if you'd like, uh, and it's only 31 cents. You could play Timna the Bloodsore and Cinda Kodo of Jamora, um, both being both being a partner commander uh, that are give you more options, but also still stick in the stick in the token theme and can be really well represent well represented within the Dune mythos if you'd like to create that. And now on to the end of the show. You see her standing there, so haughty, so confident. Let us hope she finds solace in her writing and her books. She'll have little else. She may have my son's name, but it is we, the ones who carry the name of concubine, that history will call wives. Well, I'd just really like to thank you guys for listening to the first episode of Thematic Commander. Uh, I am going to try and keep putting out more episodes. Um, I've really had this idea for making this podcast for the probably the past year uh, because I just have nonstop been building themed EDH decks and playing them. And every time I read a new story or listen to a new book or watch a new TV show, I just want to make it into an EDH deck. And then I see a certain card and I'm like, oh my gosh, this totally reminds me of Aang from Last Airbender. Or I see a giant robot and I'm thinking about the Mechanicum from Warhammer 40k. uh, And I've built both of those decks already. So I'll probably end up doing an episode on those at some point. And I will be trying to make it into a YouTube channel. Uh, I just have to learn how to use Lightworks and uh, figure out how to do the video editing. I do want to say thank you. If you have any suggestions or you have been making your own theme decks and you want to submit them to me and I can go over them or we could talk about it, uh, feel free to either... You could tweet at me at WolfieMTG on Twitter or you can email me at... WolfyStar12 at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited to keep doing more of these. Uh, and we'll see you on the flip side. Bye. Any effects or any of the sound clips or the music, they were all taken from either the Dune movie uh, or the Dune miniseries that was made back in two, 2000. Um, no, obviously, none of them are mine. I don't have any rights to them, uh, but I do want to give them credit at the end of the episode here. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs>